Welcome to the Outsiders Podcast. If you have been with us since episode one or just heard about us uh, in episode 10, we just want to say that we appreciate you. That's right. Thank you for listening. We are two white pastors from Texas that are discussing race, justice, and Jesus. And we are thrilled to have you guys not only listen, but hopefully share our discussions and interact with us on social media. And think. And and, and what? Think. Yeah. Too little of that going on these, so, these yeah. days. Let's, Think. let's do a little more of that. Uh, so yeah, we, it's an honor to have this platform, and we want to bless Absolutely. as many people as possible. And so, yeah. Yep. We're excited about um, the second half of this season that we've started in season one. And if you're along for the ride, thank you for being along for the ride. And uh, yeah. we do not take you for granted. That is for sure. Yeah. And as always, we want to start this episode by just checking our hearts and yep. sharing with you guys what's on it. Yeah. Uh, so, Neil, yeah. I know we talked a little bit. but Yeah, I think, you know, we, we plan for these podcasts a couple of weeks in advance. And I kind of think I know what I want to check on you know, my heart about, and then something will happen either the, the day previous or the morning of that will kind of change what I was going to think about. And I was going to go in one direction. And I saw a tweet today that, um, man, really struck home with me and got me thinking a lot on the way um, up to the office today. And then this is what, this is the quote, don't vilify those who you are trying to reach. Mm. And I read that and I thought, man, how powerful of a statement because in our societies today, as we've talked Tyler before the idea of a us versus them mentality of we are the good guys. They are the bad guys. They're our enemy and we need to destroy them. (laughs) You know, that's kind of how we think in America when it comes to politics, when it comes to our religions, when we, we, so many people have that kind of an an attitude and they see it as courageous almost to be able to do that. But, but I asked myself this question, how can I reach someone that I am vilifying? Right. Someone that I am calling names and attacking and ripping and trying to destroy. And then at the same time, turn around and say, oh, let me tell you about my loving Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to look at you and say, well, how come your loving Jesus hasn't made you loving? Right. How come your loving that's Jesus good, hasn't made you kind? And and that mm-hmm. just really hit me this morning as I was thinking about um, what my calling is to love people yeah. and to obey the first two commandments, right? Which right. is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. How How can I reveal my love for Jesus yeah. when I'm not loving my neighbor or when I'm vilifying my neighbor and setting them up as an enemy. Yeah. And and I'm going to be judged on how well I love. Yeah. And so I I read that quote and I just thought that that needs that's that weighed on my heart and I thought man that needs to be the attitude of Christians in the United States of America. Right. Um we're going to disagree with people on a whole host of things. Mm-hmm. But to then vilify those people we disagree with almost guarantees we're not going to be able to reach them with the gospel. Somebody else is going to have to do it because we vilified them. And uh, and so we've got to to check our heart constantly, uh, check our minds constantly, and make sure that we're not doing that so that we can have the the widest range of net we can as we're fishers of men. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's it's amazing because ours go really hand in hand, our heart checks. you know, this is a, this is another one of those episodes for me, man. Uh, the responsibility that comes with discussing this kind of topic is 
big. Yeah, it's deep. And uh, I want to make sure that you and I are as faithful with it as possible, mm-hmm. um, that I'm compassionate, as you said, towards people, but also that we passionately stand on truth. And yeah. and that's the goal of this podcast. You know, we want to uh, honestly get out of the way a lot of times. This is not an opinion-based con. You know, podcast. We right. we most of the time uh, are just kind of stating facts and history, and then we go into what the Bible says about stuff. What the Bible says about stuff, and and yeah. the Christian response to what that should be. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, but with a topic like this, it's it's a little more difficult because you and I are very passionate about abortion, right. And black people. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Um. You know, this is hitting two kind of heartstrings, but we. I. My prayer and my heart is that we remove ourselves from this as as much as possible and just state facts and just love on people mm-hmm. and and be as um you know like you said loving as possible. So. Yeah, I mean this topic that we're going to get into today uh, abortion abortion and the the link that it has with racism, racism. Yeah. is such a um an important topic but yet really a topic that's not discussed much. Yeah. Not a lot of people um I know John Piper's been very good about it oh, yeah. over the years, and yeah. there, there's others, obviously, but um, at least in the circles that I run in, yeah. um, this is not a topic that these two don't get linked together very often, right. and I think that is a shame, and that is why we're going to talk about it today in episode 11, abortion and racism. So buckle up and get ready, and uh, I hope that your heart is mind is ready as well as we get into the topic today. So I want to start the discussion uh, with a quote from an early Jesse Jackson in 1977. He said, uh, politicians argue for abortion largely because they do not want to spend the necessary money to feed, clothe, and educate more people. Here, arguments for inconvenience and economic savings take precedence over arguments for human value and human life. Mm. Psychiatrists, social workers, and doctors often argue for abortion on the basis that the child will grow up mentally and emotionally scarred. Mm. But who of us is complete? If incompleteness were the criteria for uh, taking life, we would all be dead. If you can justify abortion on the basis of emotional incompleteness, then your logic could also lead you to killing for other forms of incompleteness, blindness, crippleness, old age. Mm. That was Jesse Jackson. That was Jesse Jackson. 1977. Then pro-life. I believe he changed his stance um, and became pro-choice in 1988. But, um, man, he got it right in 1977. Yeah. That quote's wonderful. Yeah. Um, And so, uh, according to a 2020 study, this is crazy. And and again, we're just going to lay out the facts here. Uh, According to a 2020 study... Since Roe v. Wade's Supreme Court decision in 1973 to present day, buckle up, over 64 million babies have been Mm. aborted legally in centers around the nation. Mm -hmm. 64 million. 64 million. Every state, every city, Mm -hmm. uh, age group, and ethnicity has been impacted and affected by this number. Uh, In 2018, Planned Parenthood... One of the largest abortion providers, and some you know we're going to discuss them quite a bit today. Yeah, yeah they they they. It's interesting about Planned Parenthood because Planned Parenthood, um, while they do offer um, different services, right, besides just abortion, yeah, 
um, the vast majority of their money yeah. comes, comes from, from abortions. Abortion. So they 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 tweak those statistics to make it sound like oh, but we only only. 10% of our stuff is abortion. We do right. 90% of this other stuff. Well, that's yeah. true, but that 10% accounts for like 90% of your money. Yeah. Right. So it, most of your money comes from that. And many of their co many of their ex workers have come out and said that they had quotas and stuff yeah. that they yeah. had They're to pushing encourage, women to get abortion. You know, yeah, abortions. Um, so, yeah. So 345,672 abortions in one year were performed from the Planned Parenthood. At Planned Parenthood. Yeah. You know, those facilities. kind of facilities, yeah. And not not all Planned Parenthood facilities are surgical abortion right. facilities. So that yeah. just tells you that you know how much abortion is going on. Right. Three hundred and forty five thousand abortions yeah. Yeah. Um, every year, and that number is not going down. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and these numbers are staggering. But what is more disturbing and quite eye opening is that. Uh, African-American females are, are disproportionately uh, affected the most. Right. Right. Um, right. Uh, according to the, and even marketed to. Yeah, by absolutely. Parenthood. And so uh, according to the 2011 abortion surveillance report uh, issued by the Center for Disease Control, CDC, uh, black women make up 14% of the childbearing population, yet 36.2% of reported abortions are from black women. Mm -hmm. you know, let, let that sink in. Yeah. 14% of the childbearing population right. are black women. Yeah. Yet 36% of re all aborted, reported abortions are from black women. Yeah. Uh, very disproportionate. Yeah. Um, when you look at the statistics overall. Absolutely. And, and they have the highest abortion ratio in the country mm -hmm. with 474 abortions per 1,000 live births. Yeah, so every... 1,000 black babies that are born, 474 black babies are aborted. Yep. Uh, so percentages at these levels show that more than 19 million babies have been aborted since 1973. Mm. 19 million black babies in since that, 1973. In Decision. So, uh, according to the Department of Public Health of every state that reports abortion by ethnicity, check this out, black women disproportionately lead in numbers. For example, in Mississippi, 79% of abortions are obtained by black women. Mm. Uh, Washington, D.C., more than 60. Georgia, 59.4%. And Alabama, 58.4%. Mm. Uh, so, so the question is why? Right, you have to ask that question, right? I mean, that, and we know there's, there's a, um, a multitude of answers as Absolutely. to that. We want to get to the original core issue that set all of this in motion. Right. Because you have to ask the question, why is this the case? Right. Right. And, and the answer can't be because black women and black men are more immoral than white women and white men. Because right. obviously that, you know, biblically speaking, doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. So, so there has to be some root cause issues at the onset of making abortion popular that have impacted these numbers in a way that disproportionately yeah. um, lead to the consumption of abortions in, in black and white, white, black and yeah. black and males and females. There you go. <laughs> uh, a recent study released by Protecting Black Life concluded that 79% of Planned Parenthood's surgical abortion facilities, again, not every 
uh, Planned Parenthood is a surgical abortion facility. Right. But 79% of them are located within walking distance of African and or Hispanic communities. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so minorities. Right. So the access it's targeted to... targeted towards minorities right. based off of their location. So if we're asking the question, why... Um, and then we begin to try to answer that why. One of the at least the, the data points we have yep. is that the access to abortion for minority groups, and especially African Americans, um, their access is massively high compared to white access to abortion. Right, right. And uh, if you look into, if you look into, sorry, my mic was messed it up. Uh, if you look into why, uh, especially with Planned Parenthood, you can go back to the founder, Margaret Sanger, uh, founder of the American Birth Control Movement, which later became Planned Parenthood. Uh, she was a leading spokesperson and activist in promotion of controlling the birth rate among blacks. And so, and honestly, she considered them genetically inferior to mm-hmm. the point where it's not even hidden anymore. I mean, at first they kind of her yeah, they, her racist legacy. Yeah. She kind of, you know, put it under the rug. Uh, but now Planned Parenthood has come out and said, yeah, she was yeah she was racist, and we dis you know well, and and, and and it was a pretty weak um, Planned Parenthood's stance was still pretty weak in the way that they um, talked about Margaret Sanger. They yeah. admitted the the racist ideology right. behind the beginning of Planned Parenthood, but um, it's kind of like what, look what she's done though. Like, yeah, and yeah. in my opinion, it was it was really really weak, especially coming from a a biblical point of view. It was very very weak, and yeah. so yeah, th- this woman Margaret Sanger, the 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 founder of the birth control movement and the founder of Planned Parenthood, right. uh, this is a woman who overtly and openly yeah. wanted to control the birth rate of black people in this country. Yeah, she was a racist right. and wanted. Um, the inferior blacks in her mind right. to not reproduce. Yeah. Dude, I watched an old Mike Wallace interview uh, with her where she was asked, like, what is the biggest sin in the world? And she straight up said, I think the biggest sin in the world is bringing children into the world. And then she takes a pause and it says, uh, that have disease from their parents, that have no chance in the world to be productive human beings. And then she'd go on delinquent prisoners uh, that are just marked when they are born. Mm-hmm. And and what did Margaret Sanger believe was the mark that was on them when they were born? What was being black? Yeah. <laughs> the, yep. the mark was Absolutely. you are a delinquent and a prisoner by the very nature of your skin color. This yep. is the woman who is starting and promoting the idea of Planned Parenthood and abortions. Right. And, and she even wrote in her autobiography about speaking to the KKK group uh, and she advocated for a eugenics approach for breeding, for, quote, the gradual suppression, elimination, and eventual extinction extinction of defective stocks. Mm. She, she referred to human beings as defective stocks, mm. those human weeds which threaten the blooming of their finest flowers of American civilization. And, Talking and, to the KKK. Right, and, that, and that's the context you have to make sure you put this quote right. in. She is talking to... The Ku Klux Klan, the most um, racist, overtly racist group that this nation has ever seen. Right. And so when she uses the terms human weeds, yeah. she's talking about black people. Yeah. When she uses the term the the 
the blooming of the finest flowers of American civilization, she's talking about white people. Yeah. So understand that this suppression yeah. and elimination and, in her mind, the eventual extinction right. of black people was because the white population was supreme. Right. That white people were supreme and black people were human weeds, and we need to eliminate them ultimately from existence. And, and some of the eugenicists that she's been connected to uh, in the, the mid-1900s, they argued that the most effective way that they could advance their agenda would be to concentrate population control and, yep. and put it in facilities in their neighborhoods. Yeah. So, uh, and, and that's important. I was just going to say that yeah. she, the eugenics that she adopted right. and that she looked to, their argument was the best way to get this done is put let's put facilities mm -hmm. in black neighborhoods where we can prey on these people. Right. And we can take advantage of them and eventually get our agenda accomplished. Right. And so she even, I mean, I've, I've read a lot about it. Like she even used black leaders, you know, and, and made it a positive thing. Like this yeah. is a good way yeah. to family plan. Right. Even though she, her ulterior motive was to eliminate black people. Right. And that's what you know even from her autobiography, which right. is very telling. Yeah. Um, so she publicly favored the, the Malthusian branch of eugenics. Uh, and this is, this is wild too. Saying that the genetic makeup of the poor and minorities was inferior. Mm -hmm. So uh, she believed it was necessary to, re quote, reduce the birth rate among the disease, the sickly, the poverty stricken, and antisocial classes. Who are those people? Yep. It's it's uh the black community mm -hmm. and minorities. Um and and that is why the number today of the surgical centers that Planned Parenthood owns, that is why that number 79% should rock you. Right. 79% of the surgical centers that perform abortions in this country are in black and minority areas. Right. When we now know what her agenda was from the beginning, right. it is being accomplished. Yeah. In in the sense that she has targeted these people. And to this day, there's still abortion access yeah. and targeting going on in the black community that is accomplishing her what she wanted. Absolutely. Right. She's getting what she wanted because it's there. And this again, racist woman is getting what she wanted. Right. And and the Planned Parenthood workers, we're not saying that they understand that. We're not saying that they know that that's why they're in those right. you know, those areas and stuff. Like we're we're not calling these individuals racist or anything. But what we're saying is that it was built upon a racist foundation that is still being continued today. Yeah, and, and I would argue that while these, you know, minority nurses or even white nurses that are working in these, you know, abortion clinics, you know, whatever you want to call them, for Planned Parenthood, and you're right, I'm not, we're not saying that they're all abortionists, but that they're all racist. They are abortionists, but not all racist. <laughs> what, 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 what I am saying is they are benefiting. Yeah. They are participating and benefiting from a racist ideology yeah. and foundation and beginning that they don't even realize they're taking part of. They're making that money. They're making money mm -hmm. off of this racist intent and aim and agenda from the beginning, and they are part of the consequence of that, whether they realize it or not. Right. Absolutely.
tragedy. Uh, and, and just to give you a, a scope of, of really how big this is, um, I, I looked at a policy report on congress.gov, and it was written by about four or five different authors, and they said, uh, this is a quote from it, since the number of current living blacks in the U.S. is 31 million, the missing 10 million represents an enormous loss for... Without abortion, America's black community would now number 41 million people. Mm. It would be 35% larger than it is currently. Mm. Abortion has swept through the black community, cutting down every fourth member. Mm. The black community would be so much larger today Yeah, if abortion was not legal. Absolutely. And... and mm. Consider this is what they said. If those 10 million children had not been aborted, the voting power of the black community would now be at 16% nationally rather than the current 13%. Mm. So a lot of black people who feel like their votes don't count right. as much. Be much larger. It would be much larger. Their votes would count more. Blacks who cry in desperation for political change must recognize that the majority of their civic leaders support policies which destroy their future. It is not beyond mm. reason to conclude that all today, uh, that today there could be more black senators and representatives yep. in the halls of Congress had it not been for the abortion platform supported by so many of uh, liberal black and white leaders. And again, this is from Congress.gov. This is right. this is the conclusions that they're coming to, yep. and so they're they're not necessarily. Um, I mean, those statements aren't necessarily. It's more, that's amoral, right? right? I mean, it's basically, here's just the facts of, of what yeah. would be the case right. if abortion was not legal. And the impact that a larger black community would have on voting, right. on government, um, Congress recognizes that impact would be much higher yeah. if, if that hadn't been the case. And so we're, we're, we're just arguing here based upon facts that abortion and the number one abortion provider in this nation, Planned Parenthood, right. had and is still benefiting from the consequences of a racist ideology. Yep. I would argue that abortion is racism. Yeah. You 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 cannot I, I don't think you could separate the two apart. Right. Um the there's too much of a racist element. Um the numbers make it clear yeah. to be able to um, to try to parse those out and, and split those up. And, and and as I say, abortion is racism. I, I want to read a quote by Randy Alcorn because I mm -hmm. think this is an important quote. Um, and before I give the quote, let, let me just make this one more statement. Abortion doctors are making a large amount of money from killing black babies. Yeah, yeah. Abortion doctors are making cash oh, yeah. from killing black babies. Mm -hmm. And the vast, and I'm talking vast majority old of abortion doctors are old white men. Yep. So old white men are getting rich off of taking the lives of innocent black unborn children. Right. Now I want to read this quote by Randy Alcorn. I do not believe that most people who support abortion rights are racist. Right. 
any more than I believe that there are no racists among pro-lifers. I am simply suggesting that regardless of motives, a closer look at both the history and present strategies of the pro-choice movement suggest that abortion for the minorities may not serve the cause of equality as much as the cause of supremacy for the healthy, wealthy, and white. Mm. That is a powerful statement. Absolutely. Randy Alcorn, who's been involved in the pro-life movement for years and years and years, um, argued in 1993 and still argues to this day that the pro-choice movement doesn't accomplish the equality that the, the pro-choice camp pushes that it does. Yeah. What it does is it promotes the cause of supremacy for the healthy, wealthy, and white. Absolutely. Um, and that continues to this day 30 years later. Yeah. It is still promoting the cause of the healthy, wealthy, and white. And we as Christians have to, number one, come to the conclusion a proper conclusion that abortion is racism. So that's Mm -hmm. the first argument. And that's why we started the way we started today is because we want you to understand that Planned Parenthood has been racist from the very beginning. And the, the, the ends that it is accomplishing are a racist end, whether they, people are meaning to do it or not. And so we have to address that first and get that down. And then we have to ask the question, okay, now what's the biblical response to this? So if we know that racism and abortion are linked together, then what becomes the biblical response that we need to apply? And that's where we need to move next in order to really wrap our minds completely around our call as Christians um, in defeating racism and defeating abortion. So the biblical response, I've kind of broken this down into three points, a good Baptist minister here, breaking it down into three points. But there's three things I want to talk about. And and the first one is this. Um, Biblically speaking, abortion is murder. There is no question that abortion is taking a human life. That's a fact. The days of debating whether or not an unborn baby is a human being or a clump of cells is done and over with. Right. Um, Science has ended that debate. Yep. So as science continued to progress... Uh, our understanding of the unborn child began to progress, and the argument is no longer, I'm not killing a human life, it's just a clump of cells. Like, that's over with. Mm-hmm. And so what's ended up happening is the, the pro-choice movement has really changed their argumentation, where it, where it used to be um, that it wasn't a human being. Now it's talking about the rights of a human being. When right. does a human being get rights? Yeah. Uh, when does a, a person get rights rather mm-hmm. than this not being a person. Right. I remember when Jessica, my wife, was pregnant with our first child. So this was in um, 2005. We were getting a sonogram, and we're sitting in a doctor's office. Uh, As far as we know, nobody in the office was overtly Christian or anything. We didn't pick like a Christian OBGYN. We just picked an OBGYN that was good. And we go in there, and, and we're getting the sonogram. And I remember looking at the image of this child, and it was 3D. You know, now they got the 4D stuff. That's like <laughs> incredible. But this yeah. is this was 2005, and so it was 3D still. And or no, it was just regular 4D. They ain't got no 4D. It's 3D, right? <laughs> 4K, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe 4K, bro. I'm struggling. Yeah, um, right. And I remember watching this video. 
and and seeing this child on this screen, and I made the comment almost involuntarily, right? It's like I didn't consciously think about it. I, I looked to the, the sonogram tech, and I said to her, how can anyone say that's not a baby? Mm. Yeah. Um, her response was, everyone believes that that's a baby. Yeah. I was shocked by her statement. Right. It led me to then say, so are you telling me that doctors now all believe that an unborn child is a baby, a human baby? She said, they've believed that for a while. I, now I, yeah. I was kind of shocked that she threw that out there. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know her religious stance. I didn't know her stance on abortion yeah. or anything. Maybe she's a sonotech because she wants to help women not get abortions. I don't know. But, <laughs> but that was a powerful moment for me because I realized in that moment that not only is abortion murder, which I already knew, but people understand that it's the taking of human life. Right. Abortion is murder. The taking of innocent life is murder, biblically. Yeah. And of course, we're told, do not murder. Right. And so we all understand now that that abortion is the taking of human life. And biblically speaking, it's, a, it's murder. And people have trouble with that word because they don't want to to think of abortion as murder, but that is exactly what it is biblically. Yeah. Um, and, and we have to understand that if we're going to be able to, to, to stand biblically where we need to stand. Yeah. And so I, I want to just kind of break down a little bit on the procedures that are done real quick, because abortion as murder goes in a variety of ways, depending on the development of the child. Mm. So this is kind of mind blowing because once we come to the, to the conclusion, abortion is murder. Now what we're saying is we've developed different scientific medical techniques to commit this murder. Mm. Like we've created and thought about and developed different ways to murder a child yeah. in the mother's womb. Yeah. The first, during the, the first trimester, um, basically there's two different ways that a first trimester baby will be um, aborted and killed. Two chemicals are given to the mother. The first chemical is to stop the development of the baby, and the second is to discharge the baby from the womb, similar to a miscarriage. So you'll be given um, chemicals that you take, that you ingest. The first stops the development of the baby, and then when that happens, the second one is going to discharge the baby from the mother's womb like a miscarriage would. Mm. Um, just not being trying to be too graphic, but just in a toilet, right? Yeah, right. Um, and then flush down the toilet. Yeah. Um, the other way of abortion in the first trimester is um, is dilation and curtage. This is where the cervix is dilated and the baby is just scraped out or sucked out of the uterus. Like a vacuum. Yeah, like a vacuum. So sometimes <clears throat> they just, um, they'll scrape the baby from the uterus and then they'll just suck the baby right out. Yeah. So that's the that's the the way that it's done in the first trimester. The second trimester is dilation and evacuation. This is the procedure. It's similar to a DNC that we just talked about. Right. Um, only at this point in the pregnancy, the baby is too large to be sucked out. Wow. Right. So you you can't just suck the baby out. So what will happen is is they will dilate the cervix of the mother, and then the abortion doctor will go in and use forceps 
and really rip the body apart. Mm -hmm. So they will go in and with forceps, they will rip a leg off. They'll rip an arm off. They'll rip another leg off, an arm off, and they'll rip the head off, breaking the the body into several. Because the baby's too large to be sucked out. Right. Because Because the baby baby is too developed. It's growing. It's developing. Yeah. Yeah. And so the baby's too developed to be sucked out. And so what they have to do is they have to go in and actually rip the baby apart. Yeah. The baby is alive, and they are ripping the baby into pieces. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then removing the baby out piece by piece by piece. That is the main way in a second trimester that an abortion is done. And I hope that visual weighs on you. Third trimester abortion is dilation and extraction. This occurs as the doctor gives an injection into the baby to kill it. So they actually inject now something into the baby to kill it, before removing the, bar, the the body from the mother. So um, you go in, you kill the baby with a, a chemical, mm-hmm. then you remove the baby. This was the legal consequence of the partial birth abortion ban in 2003. So in 2003, um, partial birth abortion was banned. Partial birth abortion basically was you deliver the baby alive, everything except the head. Um, eight month old baby delivered out of the mother's womb, except the head. And then scissors would be inserted in the back Back of the the brain stem Mm -hmm. and the brains would be sucked out. Um, that was banned in 2003. The fact that that ever existed, um, is a shame upon our nation. But in 2003, that was eliminated. And so the alternative is you want a late term abortion. The way to do it now is we will inject the baby with a chemical that kills the baby while the baby's fully in the womb, and then you will birth the baby. Yeah. But the baby will be born dead. Um, this whole conversation is meant to make you sick. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to describe these procedures on purpose because I want it to make us sick. Yeah. I want it to disgust us. Because murder is disgusting. The taking of innocent life is disgusting. And it needs to make us sick. Abortion is murder. Not only is abortion murder, abortion is anti-gospel. The gospel reveals, Tyler, a, a savior who lays down his life for people that ran from him. Rebellious, wicked people running from God. Yeah. The gospel reveals a savior who lays down his life for them, who sacrifices everything for our lives. Abortion reveals humans extinguishing a life Mm -hmm. that we were meant to love, to protect, and sacrifice for. Look at the the polar opposites. Our broken lives, our messed up lives, our sinful, wicked lives, Jesus comes and lays his life life down and sacrifices for us so that we can live. Abortion does the very opposite. Opposite. It says your life is not worth my protection, sacrifice, and love. Yeah. And as you scan the pages of scripture, it is 
overtly clear that the gospel, that, that abortion is anti-gospel. Yeah. Here, here are four things. Listen, listen to what abortion says. Abortion says that unborn babies have value only as expendable commodities. These babies only have the value that I give that baby. Yeah. And they're expendable if I want that baby to be expendable. They also say that each baby is devoid of any meaningful purpose. They also say there's not a place for you in my plan right now. Wow. They also say that disability limits a chance at any manner of quality of life. So think about those four statements alone. Unborn babies have value as expendable commodities. Each baby is devoid of any meaningful purpose. There's not a place for this baby in my plan right now. Mm. And that disability limits any manner of good quality of life. <laughs> but listen to what the gospel says. Right. The gospel says, according to Genesis 127, we have a tremendous value as image bearers of God. Amen. Every human being has value as an image bearer of God. The Bible also says it says in Psalm 139, verse 14, that each one of us has been fearfully and wonderfully made, carefully knit together in our mother's womb. Mm. Romans 8, 15, we have lovingly received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That's right. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, the Bible says that God's glory and grace shines even and especially in those with physical limitations and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. A complete contradiction yeah. to the rationale behind abortion. Right. The gospel's rationale is completely antithetical to that of abortion. Yeah. I'm thinking about that Sanger interview uh, mm -hmm. where she was saying that, you know, they're, they're just not worth it. Like that, yeah. it's the worst thing is bringing, you know, bringing a child into the world that will make civilization. I'm just thinking how anti-gospel that is. Yeah, you know, yeah, that will make our civilization have to sacrifice more, right, and have to protect more and have to love more. And the gospel says that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. Yeah. Every human being is made in the image of God. Every one of us is fearfully and wonderfully made and carefully knit together in our mother's womb. And God has received us in as adopted sons, and we get to call him Abba Father. That's yeah. the, the paternal care that right. he has Absolutely. for us. Yeah. And that God's glory and his grace shines in the midst of suffering and in the midst of limitations and weaknesses. What right. is what does Jesus say to Paul? My grace is sufficient, sufficient for you. Right. I shine brightest. Yeah. And so when when we take the the life of a baby through abortion, what we are we are declaring that the gospel is not good enough. Right. Um it is a declaration that is anti gospel. Amen. Abortion is an assault on the image, character, grace, gospel, and glory of God. For the Christian to see it as anything less than that is to reject the biblical view of God's gospel and His glory. Yeah. Say that again. For a Christian mm -hmm. to see abortion as anything less 
than an assault on the image, character, grace, gospel, and glory of God is to reject the biblical view of God's gospel and God's glory. God's glory. That is a powerful statement. Yeah. So if we believe that abortion is the taking of human life, if we believe that it is anti-gospel, then we should expose... What are we going to do about it? We should expose it as a dark work of the enemy. Absolutely. We, we should oppose it and expose it. Ephesians 5.11 says this, Take no part in the unfruitful work of darkness, which abortion is, mm-hmm. but instead expose. expose them. Expose these works for what they are. And in the context of what we've been talking about today, we need to stand up. We need to speak up on behalf of the minorities that are being killed in the name of women's rights and even in the name of justice. Right. Tyler, it is not good enough just for us to not have abortions ourselves. Amen. We have to expose it. Yeah, we we can't say, well, I never had an abortion, so I did my job. Yeah. That's not what Ephesians 5 says. And and we need to expose it as racism. Yes, yeah, and and that's the context we're talking about here, right? Right. Ephesians 5 doesn't say, hey, have no part in unfruitful works of darkness, period. Right, exactly. It says, don't partake in them. And expose them. And expose them. That's right. And so what we have the obligation to do as, as children of God is to stand up and speak up and to say, listen, abortion is institutional racism. Mm. It's institutional racism. You know, I, I, I hear a lot of people try to argue that institutional racism doesn't exist. You don't have to look any further than abortion to know that institutional racism exists. Yeah. Abortion is institutionalized to kill the vast majority uh, of, well, up to this point, 10 million right. black people, and the vast majority of, of abortions are done by minorities. Right. It is institutional racism. Leading cause of death. Yeah. That's the leading cause the of leading death, cause in, of death. In, in, in blacks. In blacks is abortion. We have to, as people who fear God, we have to protect those that need protection. Um, that's going to be done in a variety of ways. It's going to be done in a multitude of ways that we'll talk about in a minute, how we can help with this kind of thing. Um, but I, I want to give an example of people who feared God enough to do this very thing. Mm. In Exodus chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, Pharaoh is getting nervous, and he's getting nervous because the Israelites are growing in number. Mm -hmm. They are producing very quickly. They're having a lot of babies. And you got to remember, Pharaoh and Egypt have enslaved the Israelites. They've been in slavery, um, well, they will total for 400 years. And so he's got these people in slavery. They're working for him. They're building Mm -hmm. his buildings. They're, They're working his crops. They're doing all this work for him. But he's also noticing that they're reproducing quickly, and their number's getting out of hand. And so he commands the midwives, Mm -hmm. right, the the women who are going to be delivering the babies of the Israelites, to kill any baby born born, that is a male. Male, He wants to destroy the Jews. He does not, he, he wants them in a small group so he can enslave them, but he doesn't want them growing in power. Then it says this, Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra, 
and the other Pua, when you serve as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. And if it is a daughter, she shall live. Now, even though the, the idea of race didn't, didn't exist, exist. Yeah. we talked about that in What is Race? Mm-hmm. Episode one, you can go back and let's do it. <laughs> even though the idea of race didn't exist, this was certainly a systematic attack on Hebrew boys simply because they were Jewish. Yeah. Right? Right. Simply because you were a Hebrew boy, that meant you were to die. Yep. This is a a ethical attack. This is a um or ethnic ethnical (laughs) attack. This is a a racist attack. Right. Right? Based upon the nationality of these babies. But the midwives would have they would not do none it. of it. Yeah. Exodus chapter 1, 17 to 21. But the midwives feared God. There, that's, there, that's there's huge. the key, feared right? Feared God, yeah, yeah. There's the key. They feared God. They knew this is not of God. That's right. They feared God, and they did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them. But they let the male children live. Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and let the male children live? And they said, Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. In other words, they, they kind of tell a, a little lie here and say, well, they're having the babies before we get there. What, what, are, you know, what can we do? Right. Uh, and, and this is a key passage. It says, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. Wow. The midwives feared God, and he gave them families. So he blesses them. He blesses the nation of Israel mm. because of the midwives' commitment to obedience to God. Yeah. Their faithfulness um, blesses the entire nation. Their faithfulness blesses their own families. Right. We are called to do no less. Yeah. What has happened and what is happening with racism and abortion is our problem. That's right. Do not think of abortion as somebody else's problem. Yeah. Just like we've talked about with racism, right? right. Uh, abortion and racism is our problem. Yeah, absolutely. It is not simply a black problem. It is not simply a minority problem. It is our problem. It is our country's problem. Mm-hmm. And as Christians, we must bring the gospel forward as the solution. Right. The solution to this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, first and foremost. Yeah. And I believe that when... God's people do what they're called to do. God will bless that people and bless their nation. Yeah. I don't know what that will look like. Right. I don't know how that will work. Just like he did the midwives, yeah. But the midwives mm-hmm. were blessed and the nation was blessed because of their faithfulness. And I, I believe as Christians are faithful yeah. in the context of, of abortion and racism, God will not only bless them, but as a result of blessing them, the nation will be blessed because of it. And, and there are a lot of things that we can do in order to be faithful, and a lot of things that we can um, kind of put into our lives and activities that we can do to be faithful, and that's what we want to talk next as we conclude this topic of abortion and racism by applying a few things into our lives and giving us some ideas how we can accomplish being faithful. So there are many reasons why the abortion rate in African-Americans is higher than whites. Uh, yeah. We have not 
we don't claim nor have we given you a full account of these. Uh, that's not the intent of right. this episode. Right. Um, yeah, because I can hear somebody saying right now, so you guys don't think human responsibility matters? Yeah. Of course we do. Of course. It's not the point of this episode. Right. Give us give us the benefit of the doubt there. Right, please. <laughs> um, but what we do want to do is kind of hone in on the ground level, and we right. want to focus on a issue that is very clear, um, that not only through Scripture, but yeah. also in the origins of yeah. you know, one of the biggest abortion providers yeah. in, in the country. And so, right. Exactly. Um, so we do want to hone in on that, and we want to kind of fight against it yeah. and we need resources and I, you know for those of you who are wondering you know what what we can do and yeah. you know we said it's not enough to just not have an abortion not have yourself an abortion right well then what what can we do what is enough what yeah. what do we need to do yeah um, I, I think we start at the most important level which is prayer amen I think we start there. Absolutely. Um, I would just simply ask you right now: When was the last time you you prayed for a, um, this issue of abortion um, in our country and in the world, but specifically in our country? So I think we start there. We start with um, this being a matter of life and death, and this being a matter of something very, very serious that we continuously lift up to God and ask for justice to be done. Right. Um, so I think we start there. And if we're honest, how much of us do that yeah. on, on a regular basis? Right. You know, soak this thing, right. really saturate it in prayer. I, yeah. I, I don't think that that happens a lot. In- are, are we persistent in being faithful to, to pray for this this right. area? So don't just hear prayer and then just skip past it and be like, oh, well, I do that. Yeah. You probably don't to, right. to the extent that we're talking. Yeah. About. Yeah. And then that's got to be where it starts. Right. Um, and, and then there's a lot of other things you can do. Um our church goes out once a month um, to an abortion clinic mm-hmm. here in the area, one of the largest ones here in Dallas. That we um, and we do a bunch of different things out there. It's it's a very multifaceted ministry out there. We have those that are passing out information to people as they drive in and as they pull in. We have um, those that are sidewalk counselors that yeah. can counsel women as they come and get the information and then contemplate changing their mind. And we've seen that happen. Um, Some that worship. Yeah. We've got people that come out there and they, they just sing and pray the whole time. We have people that, um, that hold up signs as a manner of protest almost. Um, So there's a multifaceted thing that goes on out there. Um, But I'm not saying that that is what you have to do. There are other things that you can do. You can support your local pregnancy resource center. Um, There are, they are always in need of funds and money right. and and those that serve. I, I, I've got family members who have gone and got trained to be counselors at the Pregnancy Resource Center. We've actually been at an abortion clinic and sent women from that location to a pregnancy resource center that we had a relationship with and that we knew they were going to get the gospel and they were going to yeah. get the help they needed and get the funds they needed. And, um, and so... Helping a pregnancy resource center financially, um, helping them with materials. If they have a fundraiser, being a part of that. Um, if if they need counselors, being willing to go get trained. Um, I've got a, 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 I know a person who is going back to school to get to become a sonotech. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons why is to be able to work on pro life um, 
in the pro-life ministry on buses that have sonograms in them so women can come. They A lot of times they pull the, the vehicle up like in front of an abortion clinic and yeah. women can come and get free sonograms and they're going back to school to learn to do that for one of the reasons is to yeah. in this pro-life area. So Incredible. you could do that. You can adopt. Yeah. Um, be a part of, of adopting a child Amen. And, and changing that child's life yeah. and adopting a black child, adopting a child that is a minority yeah. um, can directly impact in the context of what we're talking about today. And, and, and so I would just ask your local church, what, what do we do as a church um, to participate in the pro-life Ministry and in pro life, that word pro life, we we throw it around, but I don't think we're as consistent as as we need to be. Right. Um, pro life does not just mean anti abortion. Right. Pro life means pro all types of of you know even quality of life. Right. And so it's you know you and I were talking about this earlier. Um, it's amazing that there's so many people that will, will be anti-abortion. And then once the baby's born, they will completely yeah. neglect all responsibility. And, and it's, or, one of the ex- really... it's one of the, the excuses that gets used at the abortion clinic. I mean, I've been there when people have said, well, you care about this baby until it's born and then what? Right. And so we have strategically, mm-hmm. um, taken people that we know will be willing to adopt. Yeah. We, we've said to them, Oh no, no, we, we'll get you anything you need. Yeah. So no, you come and we will help you with financial, all the financial responsibilities right. with, with having the baby. We'll provide stuff after the baby's born. We'll. And that's the body of Christ being the body of Christ. Yeah. That's being yeah. what we should be. Our church will come alongside you and help you with whatever you need. Absolutely. Um, and those are the kind of conversations I think churches need to have. Yeah. And those are the kind of conversations that that I have with my own family, that right. we have as a church family. Um because we need to be asking those questions. Right. If we believe this is murder and we believe that this is murder linked with racism, right. then what are we doing to help? At um, every level. At every level. And we've got to ask those questions in order, I think, for us to be able to say, like the midwives, that, hey, we were faithful, yeah. that we did what God called us to do. And um, and I think as you begin to pray about this, it's the reason why the prayer is the, the utmost, yeah. as you begin to pray about this, I, I believe the Lord will begin stirring your heart Absolutely. to do something. Yeah. And what that is and how that looks will be dependent. You know, every person, it will be different. Um, but you'll begin to be stirred to do something. Yeah. And uh, and that is what we're called to do, to do something, to not only not participate in it, to expose it and to fight against it uh, and until the Lord comes back. And that justice, we may not see the full justice yeah. of the link between racism and abortion until Jesus comes back. But when he comes back, he will come back and he will deal with that injustice swiftly yeah. um, under his judgment, under his wrath. And that is the motivation for us to keep going. Yeah. It's the motivation for us to keep fighting. It's the motivation, Tyler, for you and I to keep going on this podcast, yeah. right? Is knowing that we're fighting injustice, we're fighting things that we see, and we may not see all the fruit and, you know, of things fixed and being changed like we want them to in the here and now, right now, but we right. know that, that Jesus is coming back. And um, his word will not return void, and he will accomplish his purposes, you know, when he returns. And that is the the hope and the motivation to remain faithful um, with the cause of abortion, with the cause of racism, and anything else that we're battling in our lives um, and and dealing with in our lives and suffering with our lives. So, And just um, because we are fighting doesn't mean that we can't love. 
Yes, right? absolutely. Right. We'll be we, judged. We to... We'll be judged first and foremost by those two greatest commandments. Right. Did you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And did you love your neighbor as yourself? And those will be the the two biggest things that we will be rewarded on uh, on the last day. And uh, speaking of being rewarded, uh, you are a reward to us. The <laughs> fact that you listen and the fact that you um, are engaging with us yeah. and you promote this podcast and you share and you like and you subscribe and you review and you do all that stuff, man, it is just a huge blessing to us and a reward for us. And we are so thankful for you. Do it again when uh, after you listen to this. You know, share it, spread the word, and uh, hopefully this will be a blessing to you. And uh, so, as always, again, thank you very, very much. We are the Outsiders Podcast. We out. <laughs>